Police make a wild discovery underneath a synagogue in Brooklyn. An illegal tunnel found below the Chabad Lubavitch World Headquarters in Crown Heights. Our Fox Lives Lisa Everett takes a look at how it was discovered. The NYPD was called to a location best known as a sacred site for the Chabad Lubavitch Orthodox Jewish sect. Authorities say a group of Jewish men who had a long simmering disagreement burrowed through tunnels under several buildings to break into the synagogue. They got into fights and destroyed fixtures. I can help it feel somewhere like my body, my, my soul. Hear me, beauty sealed up by Two man-made walls And I'm right When's it gonna be my turn? When's it gonna be my turn? Open me up Tell me you like it Fuck me to death Love me until I love myself There's a tunnel have been underway for some time, There's as had the digging. The disruptive group reportedly stored their tools and equipment several buildings away in an unused mikvah, a large same-sex communal ritual bath space. Sources tell Fox 5 that forensic engineers and inspectors are investigating the structural integrity of surrounding buildings to make sure that they're safe. if you found the door It's like only silver mirrors running down the court Israeli ground troops in Gaza, security sources say. A Hamas tunnel network hundreds of miles long and up to 260 feet deep, like this one filmed by Reuters in 2014. Hamas drove a blindfold crew to a secret location and gave them cover tunnel so nobody can find it <laughs> we're about to drop a caterpillar sized dump truck load of evidence for why tunnels are very much the vibe in 2024 
but unlike one of IOF Rear Admiral Daniel, there is a tunnel, Hagari's uh, shitty tunnel tours. Klani's guided tunnel excursion sets out to convince you that they are a badass symbol of liberation and to teach you how to combat anti-tunnel propaganda. We'll embark on a mini-excavation of Chabad Lubavitch and the tunnel fracas that took the news cycle by storm just a week or so ago. We'll try to parse whether the mystical and Kabbalistic inflected beliefs of the uh, messianic ultra-Orthodox Hasidic sect may have influenced this covert construction project, as well as any relationship between the Bukharim's uh, shoveling and their past leader, the Rabbi Schneerson's messianic prophecies that claim that Bibi Netanyahu is to be Israel's final prime minister before the arrival of the Messiah, or Mashiach. In fact, that he's to pass the scepter off directly to the Anointed One in Menachem Mendel Schneerson's eschatological vision. And then finally, we'll examine the um, increasingly close relationships between Chabad and Israel and the uh, Zionist ethnostates uh, military forces, and we'll consider whether the kinds of anti-Semitic uh, bad faith attacks that the, the whole tunnel um, imbroglio has invited may somehow play into the hands of Israel at this time on a uh, propaganda level. And then I think we'll conclude with a brief history of uh, sexual violence and um, CSA, child sexual abuse, in the uh, arch-reactionary um, orthodox movement. So that's a quick prospectus of uh, what to expect in the year of the tunnel, or maybe more accurately, an excavation and trenching plan. As always, if you enjoyed the show, make sure to head on over to the PPM Patreon and sign up for the Independent Corkboard Researchers Union premium feed. If you want to break through to the other side of this paywalled Patreon exclusive, you're going to have to pay your ICBRU dues. I'm happy to say that this uh, mine site is a closed shop. <laughs> We're just waiting on you, fellow worker. Once you've joined the rank and file, I'll hand you your blast hole track drill keys of that, I promise. I'll see you in the ICBRU office. For now, let's get digging. The year of the tunnel has arrived. Discreetly. Surreptitiously. With the faintest of tremors inaudible rumblings from the deep, such low decibels that they stole through the human ear unnoticed, such glacial sound waves that uh, we could only feel it in our chest cavities, like some tectonic shifting. Perhaps 2024 stole up on some of us and Caught them, uh, <laughs> sleepily lacking. Actually, the more I think about this, the truer it seems. Um, this year opened with literal chasms gaping. We kicked things off with earthquakes in Japan, 
followed by a smattering of inexplicable tiny magnitude ones here stateside. Even Mother Earth is springing locks and opening portals in 2024. Speaking of portals, Lubavitchers and Hasidim, or Hasidic Jews, believe that prayer is a kind of portal that allows access to the higher spiritual realms of the Kabbalah. Keep this in mind. One of the tunnels that we're going to be paying particular heed in today's extended meditation on the indisputability of the year of the tunnel is, of course, the tunnel complex that has been dug underneath uh, Chabad's headquarters in Brooklyn. Let's quickly turn over two articles that uh, will serve as an entry point into this subterranean realm stretching from uh, Chabad's ritual mikvah bathhouse to 770 Eastern Parkway. They'll also serve as seeds for us to cultivate a dioramic retelling of the last hundred years or so of Chabad history, as well as its connections to Zionism and anti-communist organizations like the American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee, which in its earliest days provided financial assistance to Jews living in Palestine under Turkish rule. We're talking even pre-Balfour Declaration. So to establish some of the basics, let's start with this Brooklyn Daily Eagle article um, that just came out on January 19th. Uh, yeah, today. Who was the famed rabbi whose Brooklyn synagogue was the scene of tunnel fracas? Crown Heights, the basement synagogue that was the scene of a brawl between worshippers and New York City police, has a long and storied connection with a Brooklyn rabbi who led a global movement and remains revered three decades since his death. The fight broke out last Monday when authorities moved in to seal off a secret tunnel into the Chabad Lubavitch synagogue, which some worshippers described by the movement as a quote-unquote small group of rogue youth said was intended to fulfill the wishes of Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. Here are some details about Schneerson and his impact within and beyond the Chabad Lubavitch movement of Orthodox Judaism. Who was Schneerson? Schneerson led Chabad Lubavitch from 1951 until his death in 1994. He was the movement's seventh leader. He arrived in the United States during World War II after gaining a secular education in Europe. Uh, quick interjection. Shout out to TBT on Twitter um, for adding me and mentioning uh, this Chabad fun fact, which is that Schneerson and his predecessor, the Rebbe Yosef Yitschak, I believe, um, were broken out of Poland by Major Ernst Bloch, who worked with uh, the Nazi army intelligence and was also IG Farben's army liaison. I'm still learning about this stuff, but I believe this is an anecdote from Chabad history that we'll return to, as I think part of the reason why the Allied forces um, interceded on Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak's behalf and helped him and uh, future Rebbe Schneerson escape from Warsaw is, to my understanding, directly connected to um, the fact that Yosef Yitzhak and Chabad, moreover, was serving to convey and move funds uh, to diasporic Jews living in the Soviet Union on behalf of the JDC 
and by extension, American empire and the forces of Zionism. But again, don't quote me on this. Um, I'm still familiarizing myself with the intricacies of that aspect of the history, and it's something that we're going to return to. But that's just a bit of foreshadowing uh, regarding how the Rebbe Schneerson ultimately ended up in Brooklyn at that time as the son-in-law of then Chabad leader, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak. Getting back to this article, so... Upon their arrival in the United States, Schneerson quickly set about rebuilding Chabad Lubavitch and wider Jewish observance following the devastation of the Holocaust. Schneerson's voluminous speeches and writings were spread widely and continue to be collated and studied by supporters. He sought to expand Jewish observance, dispatching emissaries throughout the world. Again, uh, we're getting back to the value that Chabad seems to serve for American imperialism and uh, its Zionist satellite, or vice versa. Um, in some ways, you can see some similarities between Chabad and an organization like the Unification Church, where it tethers together all of these emigre uh, Hasidic Jews living around the world via its uh, shlukim, uh, or emissaries, and also serves as a very convenient network for moving things around, in uh, my personal opinion. On a related tunnel symbolism note, tunnels have long evoked the uh, transference of illicit goods, uh, trafficking of people, and the like, from underground cartel border crossings to bootlegger crawlways, Berlin Wall underpasses, Sarajevo complexes, and the colonial and revolutionary era uh, Salem smuggling underground. Tunnels are rife with such associations. Which is to say that perhaps it's fair to characterize religious organizations that have um, served uh, secondary or sometimes primary purposes of carrying freight around the planet, be it the UC, Chabad, or the Catholic Church, as figurative tunnel networks. Chabad's emissaries uh, have been dispatched to places with hardly any Jewish presence even, um, particularly during the reign of Schneerson and since. Um, and this gets at uh, the kind of extreme evangelizing quality of Chabad, which sets it apart from other Hasidic sects. Quoting again, so um, Rabbi Schneerson would encourage people of all faiths to be more observant and to heed universal moral teachings about honoring God and respecting others. Davy the Podcats here, everybody. Say hi to Davy. Here's a colorful anecdote regarding Schneerson that the author of this article includes. Um, the author's name is Peter Smith, by the way. Uh, so Schneerson has this legendary shtick of handing out crisp dollar bills to the people who lined up for hours to see him. The bills were supposed to be given to charity, but many kept them as souvenirs, according to his 1994 AP obituary. Uh, Smith describes how people who met him in person attested to his charisma and his encyclopedic memory for names and details. Um, quote, reverence for the Rebbe along those lines is standard, end quote, in any Hasidic community, said Ezra Glinter, uh, who is writing a biography of Schneerson for Yale University Press, quote, but he did have a broader influence than most Hasidic Rebbes do. Glinter confirms um, that the Rebbe's influence stretched far beyond the boundaries of his own community. Um, continuing, so even before his death, some followers regarded Schneerson as a messianic figure. This is a crucial detail, one that we will return to time and again. And some believe now that he hasn't really died 
or that he will be resurrected to complete his work. There are those within Chabad who believe that the Rebbe Schneerson is the literal uh, Messiah or Mashiach. And as we're going to find, the quote-unquote radical faction within Chabad um, that primarily numbers these um, Israeli uh, students, young students, uh, Bokarim, living on visas in Brooklyn so that they can study the Torah at Chabad yeshivas. We're going to discover that this group of um, teenage tunnel-digging rebels are of the opinion that the purported uh, Chabad 770 expansion project that they've even been contracting out to immigrant labor um, is a prerequisite of Rebbe Schneerson's resurrection. So keep that in mind. This has caused a huge split within the movement as um, the putative uh, senior leadership that's operating within the shadow of Rebbe Schneerson and the vacuum left by his absence have officially disavowed um, anyone teaching that Schneerson is the Messiah. Quoting again, Still, his memory is honored throughout the movement and beyond, and his grave in Queens receives about 400,000 visitors per year. What is Chabad Lubavitch? No one has succeeded Schneerson as Rebbe in the 30 years since his death, but the movement continues to expand and has become the most outward-looking of Hasidic or strictly observant Orthodox Jewish groups. The movement continues to send representatives to college campuses, public squares, and other venues to encourage less pious Jews to become more observant. This reminds me of a possible interesting connection. Uh, I'm going to just preempt this a little bit. So uh, Chabad runs a prison aid organization in Florida that has advocated on behalf of Ghislaine Maxwell, uh, a non-observant Jew, to receive kosher food and exemption um, from certain prison work requirements, which is very interesting. What's also interesting, something that I've been digging into a little bit, is that it seems that Rebbe Schneerson had a pretty cozy relationship with Hillel International, the um, Jewish campus organization that is present on 850 college and university campuses in the U.S., Canada, and 16 other countries around the world. I found at least one instance where um, I believe the uh, rabbi met with um, Hillel uh, officials or delegates, um, which I find a little interesting considering that Epstein both helped to facilitate uh, Les Wexner's donation to construct a Harvard Hillel building and then also donated to Hillel himself approximately three years before the Rebbe Schneerson's death, giving $50,000 to the organization in 1991. And of course, Hillel, uh, in their defense, points out that this was before any of his criminal activities were known, but still, just something to mull over, munch on. Granted, I haven't found any evidence of uh, Epstein meeting with the Rebbe Schneerson, um, but we will return to a possible tangential connection, the fact that there is a family of Shlukim that up until very recently were living in the Virgin Islands uh, and uh, ministering to the Jewish community of St. Thomas, a mere mile or so across the bay from little St. James. So that's just a touch more foreshadowing. All right, now let's turn our attention to this uh, article um, on theguardian.com, the three-decade saga that led to the Crown Heights tunnels. Quote, 
how a group of anti-establishment yeshiva students from the Israeli city of Sfat took control of the Chabad Lubavitch Synagogue in Brooklyn and started digging. Last week, after underground tunnels were discovered near the Chabad Lubavitch Synagogue in Brooklyn's Crown Heights neighborhood and attempts by synagogue officials to perform repairs were prevented by a group of yeshiva students, a mini-riot broke out after police showed up to restore order. A group of rowdy yeshiva students was seen smashing down a wall at the most cherished site of the Chabad movement. The incident in New York made headlines and primetime TV news. Um, Anti-Semitic conspiracy theories on the internet went into overdrive, alleging the tunnels were used for everything from child sexual abuse to secret animal sacrifices. We'll return to some of the theories that were promulgated, and I'll just say, in people's defense, Chabad has a long and sordid uh, history of sexual abuse and um, efforts to tamp down or suppress uh, allegations of abuse um, even. I mean, we're talking about some pretty extreme cases as well as uh, concerted conspiring by leadership to coerce accusers into dropping lawsuits and um, even protest movements stemming from uh, the outcry against the prevalence of abuse within the community itself. I, for example, found uh, a recent and I believe ongoing lawsuit that hints at Lubavitch's checkered child sex abuse history. I can't recall if we've established this yet or not, but the Bokarim began digging in the mikvah ritual bathhouse that's a block or two away from um, the Chabad HQ. Well, I found this lawsuit filed by a John Doe who claims they were repeatedly abused in uh, one of these mikvahs on Kingston Street while studying at the uh, Chabad Mesivta, basically when they were in high school. Couple this with the fact that uh, Rabbi Shmuley Botich, the kosher sex guru and Hasbara artiste, <laughs> RFK Jr.'s handler and uh, favored uh, mouthpiece of Zionists, was a Chabad shliach uh, or emissary earlier in his career. Um, in fact, he would eventually be expelled, if you can believe this, because he refused to cancel a speaking engagement with then-Israeli uh, Prime Minister Yitzhak Rabin. This was shortly after Rabbi Schneerson's death, and the Rebbe had opposed um, PM Rabin's uh, peace deal proposal, which led to the Oslo Accords. Um, so, yeah, in that instance, uh, Chabad was even more hawkish then the state of Israel at that time. Uh, and Botich breaking ranks um, led to his involuntary termination, but he's still incredibly close with Chabad today. Um, in fact, he has publicly attested that he's raising his children within the movement. Speaking of hawkish Schneerson, I'm reminded that traitorous Zionist asset Jonathan Pollard, following his release from um, some 20-plus years in federal prison, uh, stemming from his repeated selling of confidential American um, national security documents to uh, the state of Israel or Israel's um, intelligence agencies, kind of slimily uh, recently remarried less than a year after his second wife, who had accompanied him to Israel, uh, passed away from cancer, um, and his new, much younger wife is a Chabad Lubavitcher. 
Um, and more than that, the granddaughter of a Nazi hunter. This is something that we might come back to. Anyways, all of that is to say that I empathize with those who have speculated about the possibility that there could have been some kind of uh, child sexual abuse component to the tunnel story, um, especially considering that the tunnels were beginning in the mikveh. Taking the ample documentation of a prevalence of pedophilia um, within Chabad into account, I think that it is a fair line of inquiry. One thing that people glommed onto especially was uh, the images of the dirty mattress getting pulled out from the tunnels. And then I think there were also some circulating of a child's high chair that had seemingly been found within the tunnels, but again, uncertain of this particular video's provenance. Considering the fact that it was a covert construction project um, and we had all of these teenagers pooling their money together to make it possible um, when they weren't actually um, hollowing out the foundations with their own hands, it's not an irrational leap of the imagination to uh, suspect that some kind of sexual activities may have occurred in that space. Perhaps it was more of an innocent nature, you know, just a gang of teenaged boys um, using these tunnels as a uh, hideout of sorts. Perhaps if any sexual activity did occur in the tunnel, it was purely of a consensual nature and or was, um, you know, fumbling uh, teenage exploration. Embarrassing but benign. The other thing I'll say on this point is that, um, you know, in highlighting some of these Chabad um, sexual abuse cases, I'm not trying to isolate the Hasidic sect or act as if these are ills exclusive to their community. That's certainly not the case. We can all think of plenty of other examples of faith leaders of organized religions or new religious movements using their power and influence to predate upon the young. This is especially true of cults as well, of course. But yeah, there are a litany of examples that come to mind, be it, um, you know, rampant child sexual abuse by Catholic priests in the 20th century, um, similar situations in the uh, Church of Latter-day Saints, um, evangelical Protestant ministers getting busted for abusing their congregants or, you know, having CP on their computers. Um, the point being that I hope you can believe me when I say that I don't have any um, personal bias against Chabad as someone who isn't a, at least at this moment, a practitioner of any particular um, faith. If not endemic, I at least think that these kinds of abuses of power um, occur frequently across the board. And if I have any axes to grind, um, it would be with Chabad's relationship to Zionism and the lack of accountability regarding child sexual abuse. But on a spiritual level, it's not like I'm harboring some beef against their particular brand of Kabbalism and Jewish mysticism. Full disclosure, I actually find that stuff pretty fascinating. I enjoy reading about it. So I'm going to do my best to be as even-handed as I can here. That said, and getting back to this landmark event kicking off the Year of the Tunnel, I do think it's valid to wonder about whether there could be some kind of CSA connection to the whole tunnels thing, as long as that wonderment isn't motivated by uh, anti-Semitism. I've already kind of intimated something uh, to this effect once, but people need to be very careful when it comes to this kind of shit and discerning, um, because 
again, I think it's possible there's a compelling interpretation of the Tunnel Saga, where the anti-Semitism and blood libelous shit that it kicked off was in turn weaponized by the State of Israel to undergird their genocidal project and is being trotted out as evidence of a spike in anti-Semitism, which Israel and its proxies are using to buttress their defense of their genocide in Gaza on the international stage. And um, situations such as these that start to build a public consensus that anti-Semitism is rising uh, enables them to turn to their allies like the United States and um, invoke the Holocaust and essentially state, look, you can't turn your backs on us on us now, um, the world is clamoring for our destruction, just as Gaza is, which is um, disingenuous and bullshit, but a rhetorical turn that they rely on frequently all the same. All right, we went a little off the beaten path there. Let's get back to this Guardian article. Um, so, even well-meaning observers wondered what in God's name was going on there. The real story emerged in bits and pieces. The incident involved an unauthorized and haphazard attempt by a group of students to expand the main Chabad synagogue. In subsequent statements, synagogue officials referred to the students as quote-unquote young agitators and extremists. Several well-placed sources within the Crown Heights Chabad community, however, have identified the tunnel diggers as having a more distinct identity, the Sfatim. Uh, the Sfatim, who have a long reputation for creating disturbances, are, in the parlance of Chabad factionalism, quote, extreme mesochists, end quote. Mesochists or messianists are Chabad Hasidim who believe that their late leader, Rabbi Menahem Mendel Schneerson, is the Messiah and, despite his death in 1994, is still meant to reappear. Um, they go on to describe how uh, Svatim refers to the city of Svat, uh, however you pronounce that, um, which is the city of uh, Safed in Israel. Uh, which is where many of these students who have attended Yeshiva in Crown Heights um, hail from. And this Chabad faction is believed to be, or perceived to be, quote, even by Mesica standards, unusually fervent in their beliefs, and they've been involved in numerous incidents of violence and mayhem for nearly three decades. The underground excavations, it now appears, are the latest in a long string of incidents of anarchy and lawlessness by this group. Next paragraph. The 90s Messiah. The seeds of Chabad messianism were planted decades before the Sfatim uh, showed up on the scene. When Rabbi Schneerson assumed the leadership of the Chabad Lubavitch community in 1951, he delivered a seminal public address which set the movement's guiding principle for the next seven decades. Quote, we are the last generation. It is our job to bring Mashiach, end quote, the Hebrew term for Messiah. In the years that followed, Chabad Hasidim were animated by various initiatives they were tasked with by Schneerson, but none more so than the notion that the Messiah was everything. It was time. We must bring him. He must come. He will come. And it will be in our lifetime. His followers heard something else, too. Their leader, in their view, was declaring himself the Messiah— what exactly he said and what he meant and how he meant it would be hotly debated over the years. But in a broad sense, Chabad messianism became established Chabad doctrine. I think we're going to skip a bit of this, but this next line is uh, pretty interesting and useful for our purposes. In 1991, Schneerson delivered an address to his followers that triggered a maelstrom within Chabad. 
quote, I have done everything I can to bring Mashiach, but we are still in exile. Underline that last uh, phrase, because it's evidence of how he views the Zionist um, nation-building project as integral to uh, his eschatological um, framework. As best as I can parse it, the Rebbe sought to encourage worldwide Jewry to uh, become more observant um, so that the spiritual conditions um, corresponding with increased uh, ritual purification would ripen and hearken the arrival of the Messiah. And an aspect of this is uh, religious indoctrination in Israel as well. To my knowledge, uh, the Rebbe wanted to see Israel become a nation of Sadiqim, observant righteous Jews, and he views this as a prerequisite of uh, the era of Mashiach. So how do these spiritual beliefs inform his views on geopolitics? Well, we've already found one example of this in that he opposed the Oslo Accords. So obviously, um, it seems he was against uh, Israeli and Palestinian peace coordination um, on a security level and probably... Uh, was supportive of Israel seeking as much power and supremacy in the region as um, feasibly possible. Those are some of my current assumptions. We'll try to flesh this picture out even more and maybe even discover whether uh, Rebbe Schneerson was an explicit proponent of ethnic cleansing or not. I'm not sure. I haven't read anything to that effect yet. Anyways, getting back to the Guardian article, um, that last statement of Schneerson's that we had read where he talked about how he'd done everything that he could uh, to bring Mashiach sent shockwaves through the larger Chabad community. Um, people felt like the Rebbe had tasked them with the ultimate monumental task, um, and many... Uh, increasingly believed that he was, in fact, the Messiah. And the problem was, a couple of years on, he up and died. Uh, he had a stroke in 1992, which um, probably caused a fair few uh, crises of faith. And then two years on, he passed away. And this led to this split in Chabad between the Mesochists and anti-Mesochists. Um, I think we're going to put a pin in this Guardian piece for now. We may return to some of these uh, nuances of Chabad uh, ideological differences and politics. I want to leave you with uh, one last quote, though, from this article before we move on. According to uh, Yossi Newfield, a writer and journalist who has frequently written about Chabad's messianic doctrines, Schneerson saw expanding the shul to be of messianic import, the shul being the, uh, the synagogue or HQ. Quote, this is the shul of Mashiach, end quote, Schneerson had said. But that vision was never completed during Schneerson's lifetime, and following his death, expansion plans have stalled for nearly three decades, due at least in part to the ongoing litigation. So there you have it. We have this faction of extreme masochist uh, Israeli yeshiva students who view the digging of these tunnels as the fulfillment of Schneerson's prophecies regarding uh, Mashiach. And I think we're also starting to show how um, some of these ideas may be more intimately connected to events in uh, Israel and Palestine than one might assume observing at a surface level. Now that we've covered the basics of um, these Crown Heights catacombs, I want to pile some more evidence um, before you as to why this is so assuredly the year of the tunnel. Maybe you'd prefer this analogy. 
that 2024 gnawed away at the foundations and support beams of 2023, hollowing it out from the inside and piling pocketfuls of dirt at its entrance, like the extremist faction of messianic Chabad Bokurim, hailing from Israel, who began clandestinely digging the tunnels underneath the Chabad HQ in a bid to realize the grand uh, renovation plans of their deceased messiah, uh, a pocketful of dirt at a time. <laughs> yes, apparently, these Israeli students resorted to a Shawshank Redemption-esque uh, strategy of moving the dirt out of the tunnels, um, pants pockets by pants pockets, so as to avoid the prying eyes of the rabbis who are currently the caretakers of the Chabad movement, and for whom the, uh, Tunnel digging was a great scandal. And while we're on that subsurface tip, I gotta mention uh, another Shawshank Redemption recurrence, further building our case that this is, in fact, the year of the tunnel. You see, the year of the tunnel is really putting down roots. Did y'all hear about how some West Virginian good old boy came up with a uh, <laughs> harebrained Appalachian meth rock scheme and uh, dug a Shawshank Redemption-esque tunnel into a uh, used auto dealership to try and steal a car? <laughs> this was uh, just a week or so ago. Everybody's tunneling in 2024. Just so you know, the Shawshank Redemption comparison isn't coming from me. The Stafford County, Virginia Sheriff's Office uh, put out a press release titled The Shawshank Burglary, in which they detailed Jerry Lee's arrest. So, between their illusion and the SWAT team taking inspiration from Andy Dufresne, it's obvious Shawshank's on the hive mind. The best parts about the whole thing, the guy was named <laughs> after Jerry Lee Lewis, seemingly, of, uh, you know, Balls of Fire fame. And then he was also trying to uh, steal a vehicle. This was why he dug this drywall uh, tunnel, but he only got as far as uh, grabbing the keys that were held in the adjacent business called Carplug, a company hat and a uh, company pen and notepad, which I guess he intended to use to forge uh, a note or message um, and pose as an employee of Carplug, um, explaining that he'd simply taken the vehicle on a test drive. Uh, I guess the idea was to buy him some time or cover his tracks, <laughs> but the police ultimately found him um, with all of these, th these items in his possession before he had even been able to uh, step into whichever vehicle it was, maybe a Dodge Charger or something that he was uh, angling to um, commandeer. And, uh, yeah, they caught him with the, the hat and the notepad and the pen. And the funny thing is, um, he, he tried to pass it off as if he was, uh, a contractor working on the drywall, I believe. Um, so yeah, uh, his well-laid plans were, uh, pretty quickly foiled. <laughs> but he's not the only proletarian hero, or Robin Hood-esque figure who has turned to tunnels in their time of need in recent days. There was also a man in Alabama, I believe, who, uh, after crashing his vehicle, 
fled on foot with a shotgun in hand into a sewage tunnel where he um, camped out, uh, hunkered down, and uh, tried to outlast the police in a standoff. He was ultimately talked down, but yeah, that's another uh, piece of tunnel fodder from early this year. I want him found. Not tomorrow, not after breakfast, now. Yes, sir. Go, let's go. Move your butt. Move it! Stand. Well? Well, what? I see you two all the time. You're thick as thieves you are. He must have said something. Also, Harden. Not a word. Lord, it's a miracle! Man up and vanished like a fart in the wind. Nothing left but some damn rocks on the windowsill and that cupcake on the wall. Let's ask her. Maybe she knows. What say there, fussy britches? Feel like talking? Peoria Jazz! Joe Dudlow Joe! Out of any old trail you know, the paws are iron, the walls are stone. All I need, man, is a whole fishbone. Central 